Hi, I'm Michael Park, and this, this is Scotland, a podcast where we take you on a journey into Scottish history, and we tell the stories of the people and the places who make us who we are. This show isn't about the whole history of our wee country, told one event after another. These are moments. These are people's stories. They're our stories. Talk not of love. It gives me pain. The most remarkable person in the old house. Fumigation of infected house by liquefied sulfur dioxide. Red rises. We are not removing. You are to secure all the avenues that no man escape. It's not over. It'll never be over. This is Scotland. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Fumigation's a good word. Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, here played by an uncredited Lou Diamond Phillips. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here we are, guestless once again. (laughs) Yes, it's just the two of us, it's just family. Um, Bit of a milestone as well. Um, oh, yeah. The final episode that we're recording in the original Strong oh. Language of Violent Scenes HQ as well. Yeah, from this point on, it's uh, it's uh, Pastel's new. Mitch. Yeah, which Pastel's is exciting. New. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a, it's a new start. Absolutely. But we will strive to continue bringing you the same nonsense quality material that we have done for over a year now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we're uh, signing off in style because um, it's an Andy versus Mitch episode this week, as you may have heard in the mini-sode. Yeah. And on the uh, turn-based system after my highly ineffectual defense of Carrie, um, <laughs> it reverts back to you and uh well yeah you've gone with demon wind i have yeah from 1989 yeah all thereabouts so i kind of know but for the benefit of everyone else why this um I'm, I'm actually relatively new to demon wind as am i uh we were introduced to it by none other than anna the apocalypse director and now good friend john mcphail yes he um brought a copy of this with him when he came to record the Halloween season of the witch episode that he did. Yeah, he brought the presumably rather expensive Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray with him. Which is very cool. Um, which I, if I'm honest, I think he was just looking to offload it. Maybe that's a back. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think he just thought, we'll give it to someone who's got so many DVDs, it'll just get absorbed into his collection. So uh, I think it was a couple of weeks later that we watched it for the first time. Yeah. It's a find. It's a find, yeah, I've watched it a few times since. Have you? This was only like, we just watched it right before we did this, and um, it was my second one. <laughs> so uh, so that's how you came across it, but why pick it for this? Because it's funny. Yeah. Crucially. I, I'm not, like, I mean, you've said it yourself, you made a pretty ineffectual defence of Carrie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come out at the top of this and throw my hands up and say this film's a fucking train wreck. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but it is entertaining. It's all about finding the level you want to enjoy these things on, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying that this is just for your casual night's viewing. No. This is very much the kind of film that you put on with your pals and you drink a beer and watch. It's not It's. It's not for a normal night. No, I would say that it either deserves your absolute undivided attention or the attention of you and a couple of your friends who are all just yeah, having a couple of drinks. It's important that you do give this film your attention, though, because if your attention wanders for a moment, you will be lost. And you know what? If you give it your undivided attention, you might still struggle. <laughs> um, so before we jump in, uh, I am today Master of Time. Oh, yeah, okay, old father time. Yeah, I have put 30 seconds on the clock. And oh, this will be fun. Yes, this is going to be interesting. So, for the benefit of anyone who is listening without having seen Demon Wind, and if you are doing that, where have you been? It's everywhere. Yeah, it literally is everywhere. Yeah, very, very accessible. Oh, what I will say is if you are watching it on Amazon Prime, don't watch it with the subtitles because they're extremely lazy. Oh yeah, they're distractingly bad. <laughs> distractingly bad, absolutely awful. But yeah, um, I'm going to count you in. 30 second synopsis of Demon Wind. Are sure. you ready? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, three, two, one. 
One, go. Uh, Demon Wind is the story of Corey, uh, a young man who is haunted by the death of his grandparents many, many, many years before he was born and the subsequent suicide of his father. So, um, accompanied by approximately 3,000 of his friends, <laughs> they uh, hop in a convoy of cars and visit the old homestead in an attempt to find out what happened. Excellent. Yeah, that was uh, that was done with uh, 10 seconds to go. And demons come. And demons <laughs> they really do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, out of every available crevice. Yeah, upon the wind. <laughs> yes, some one might say. Uh, right, let's jump into this thing. I think we have to. Let's do it. So, 1931 is our opening. Sure, yeah. Specifically, um, just a, a kind of a, a general mishmash of creepy miscellany. Um, a body burning upon a cross. Um, a like, heavily dismembered body. Yeah. Um, all that kind of thing. And then a very weird instant left turn into kind of folky gospel music, family photos, and multiple renderings of Jesus as we cycle around a living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, in, we're inside the cabin now. And I know what people might be thinking straight out the gate, that this is a cheap Evil Dead rip-off. And you know what? To that I say, you were right. <laughs> yeah, yes, 100%. <laughs> um, although the music that we're accompanied by here, yeah, the, that accompanies us on our travels here, is, uh, I believe it's called The Blood of the Lamb. I would imagine that it's called Blood of the Lamb because they ask the question, are you washing the blood of the lamb enough times in the song? Now, this is a hymn, by the way. It's extremely scary. Yeah. It's kind of it's one of those kind of like sneaky fist in a velvet glove things where it's like it's all very <laughs> lilting and friendly, but the lyrics are fucking horrible. They, they are, but... Um, uh, yeah, things do get a little bit satany after that, right into the thick of the action. Yeah, there's some magical symbols here. We've got some uh, eerie symbology magic with a K. Yes, I, think, I would uh, say. Yeah. Um, and then we're introduced to an older woman, Regina. This is uh, Corey's grandmother. Yeah, we come uh, to learn. But yeah, um, she's behind a heavily boarded up door. Um, beset by wind. Yeah, and potentially demons, <laughs> one might say. Um, she seeks consolation from her husband, George. This is something of a blind alley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he starts uh, regurgitating what looks like bloody rice pudding. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then his skin bubbles off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he erupts into a demon. Excellent insult here. Right. And now, my pig, you die. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was just his nickname for it all along. Yeah, maybe. Good evening, my pig. <laughs> Where's my dinner, my pig? I mean, I really hope not. <laughs> um, this incredibly bizarre flashback ends with uh, Regina. So, yeah, like, her kind of uh, her magic and her trickery was kind of only got her so far. But eventually, she gets herself and George out of this mess by... Dropping a snow globe on the ground that then blows the house up? Question mark? Uh, as well as I understand it, that is precisely what happens. If you want to ask me why, I'm afraid uh, I will just stare at you because I don't have an answer. Um, this is the first of, I think, somewhere uh, upwards of 30 just because moments in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> Cut to the present day. For this purpose, 1989. Yeah. And uh, our first introduction to Cody and Elaine. Now, a couple we assume they are. Um, they're kind of. They're just uh, driving up to uh, Cody's granddad's farm. The atmosphere in the car is frosty, to say the least. I would say that's fair. I'm not going to really go into any detail on the actors or their filmographies because I don't think any of them really did hellish much. No, I beyond wouldn't say so. Demon Wind. No, uh, that is probably true. So yeah, they're driving up. They kind of they touch on the fact that um, uh, Cody's recently reconnected with his dad. That's all we hear about this right now, I believe. I uh -huh. think that the darker elements of that come out a little bit later. Also, um, the car is surveyed from a distance by a classic creepy child in a yeah, white gown. Yeah, there's a little freckly girl pointing a stick at them. Yep. Yep, and, and that's that's all fine because why not? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> So on the road to the farm, I noticed that like this film is so keen to have the kind of creepy gas station trope that they just put one in the middle of a field. It's, uh, I mean, we're conservatively 30 miles away from anyone here. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, there is a gas station. And it's not just a gas station, it has a cafe attached. Yeah, which... and an adjoining kind of cafe diner. Harcourts. Harcourts, yeah. Presumably not doing a rip-roaring trade. No, I wouldn't say so. But they get there and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is ringing a bell for Corey. He identifies it from a dream, and then we get the dream, and the dream is incredible. Yeah, it's Corey uh, actually on, at the at Harcourt's uh, gas station, um, and for some reason he's stuck belly bollocks naked. Yes, indeed. Yeah, um, you see his little ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> arse to the demon wind. That's it. Yeah. 
And then and then his granny comes out and just seizes dick. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> just has a right good look at his cock. Yep. Um, that's what. That's like an anxiety dream, you know. <laughs> like, you go. I keep having this awful anxiety dream, this recurring dream that I'm like naked in front, of, like in my work and during a meeting. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Except a way more specific one of those. Except everyone in the meeting was my gran. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, they head into this kind of very empty diner. Yeah, yeah, we get an introduction to, um, I guess what you could term our harbinger here. Yeah, yeah, the, the um, the, 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 the creepy gas station guy. <laughs> yes, if Cabin in the Woods is taught as nothing, it's that, this man is that. Yeah, and you should listen to him, you know, generally he's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's, um, very creepy, warns them to go no further. He's um, sounding off pretty heavily about not venturing any further. Yeah, yeah, he's he's banging that drum pretty hard, but I mean they blow right past him anyway. Totally disregard his advice and go um, <laughs> straight into this very empty diner, like absolutely deserted. Where Elaine kind of tries to get Corey to uh, lighten up with a tasteful flashy of arse. Yeah, I really, I really like this. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I think it's strange that she would do this there or at all. But uh, yeah, yeah, she flashes him a little uh, glimpse of an arse. She seems to have what appears to be a love heart on her pants. On her underwear. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not that surprising that uh, she gets kind of blindsided by the emergence of a waitress because they are on a fucking diner, after all. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's all very embarrassing and very awkward. Um, the diner waitress, I think, if the Harbinger wasn't your first clue that you should turn your car mm-hmm. around and get to fuck, mm-hmm. the diner waitress is definitely the second clue because she is incredibly over-familiar and creepy with the questions that she's asking. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, this is obviously somewhere where I would say that their kind of patronage is probably three to four people a week. But she talks about it. So obviously these people aren't from here. True, yes. And they come course, in yeah. and she's immediately like, oh, do you know little Linda? <laughs> they said little Linda went off to school, but I don't think she went off to school at all. And it's like, you've never seen these people before in your life. Presumably they're not from here. Why are you doing this? <laughs> Seems like you're just kind of ripping holes in this. You know what? You're right, and I shouldn't bother because the holes will emerge on their own in due time. <laughs> we will see. The worst character in the world, but um, the universe of this film and the universe of most films then emerges Dell. Yeah, um, we get some rapid fire character introductions here. Sure um, do. I do love some rapid fire character introductions. <laughs> yeah, that was just for you, son. <laughs> uh, kicking off with Dell. Uh, Dell is blonde, douchebaggy, um, more than casually homophobic. Oh, oh yeah, 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 massively. And an extremely sloppy kisser. Yeah, um, he's here with his girlfriend Terry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but d- despite this fact, he uh, comes in, greets the two of them, and immediately forces himself on Elaine. Yeah, he kisses her quite deeply, which um, El- which Elaine does not react to. No, uh, no. Weirdly, no. Corey does not react to. And in fact, Corey him. embraces him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a brotherly hug. Yeah, there's no like, mate, what the fuck? There's just like, there's just a, there's just a hug. A proper cosy bro hug. Yep, uh, it's worth mentioning that Terry uh, has no characteristics whatsoever. That is so true. She <laughs> is, um, T- Terry is the stockiest of stock characters here. Sure, yes. And that's not, that's not just a dig at her weight. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> just, just, just a very, very much a stock character who exists to stoke conflict between two of the male characters. There are a lot of characters in this. There are too many characters in this. <laughs> uh, um, again, again, it's 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 liberally stuffed with characters who are largely interchangeable and are in the round, given very little to do. I think that if you'd thinned out this group by a factor of three, and given all of and spread out the duties amongst them, I think that the characters would be way more, way more compelling. There's perhaps some truth in that. I will uh, throw my hands up and agree with you there, Mitch. But uh, we're about to be joined by another two. This time in the form of Bonnie, long of face, big of hair. Yeah, um, her general mannerisms remind me a little bit of the crazy aunt from sleepaway camp okay 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 yeah okay. Can, you know aunt martha yeah aunt martha thank you yeah. yeah like um yeah like very over the top very gestury mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um yeah pretty theatrical and uh, her partner uh jack who i have him in it's just simply as being foppish uh yeah i've got him here as intellectual simply based on nothing more than the fact that he's wearing glasses yeah and a tweed yeah. or like a kind of fancy blazer <laughs> yeah perhaps he's the he's gonna cliff notes the demonology i think mitch i would say um in the absence of um a hispanic housekeeper i would say so far he is the top pick <laughs> he's the front runner to be dispensing yeah. the cliff notes in about half an hour's time well perhaps not given that uh, he is most certainly the skeptic of the group certainly in the early running yeah, that is that. Ah, that is true. That's true. Um, yeah, Dell continues to be kind of gross in the way that he talks about Terry. This whole like that's how that's why I keep her around. He yeah, says that like three, yeah, four it's times. Like a possession. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty horrendous. 
in the middle of all the uh, kind of pleasantries and kind of small talk um, that's going on here, Cody just casually drops in the fact that his dad killed himself a few days earlier. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even told his girlfriend. No, no, just 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 casting everybody on the hop with uh, with that. And uh, the reason that we are all heading in this direction is because they are going to investigate demonic miscellany on the family farm. Standard. Uh, yeah. So um, obviously it was originally owned by his grandparents Regina and George. And, um, yeah, he's going to go check the connection through all these mysterious happenings that have been going on in uh, his family. Yeah, we also get some more standard Harbinger nonsense here. But uh, what I will say is this particular scene of the Harbinger talking of Harcourt is an absolute masterclass. A masterclass in what specifically? It gives one of those kind of, you can't imagine the things I've seen speeches. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a total you weren't there, man, you weren't there <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Because he, 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 he comes back in and kind of carries on uh, kind of banging the drum about them needing to go home. Everyone is incredibly antagonistic to this very threatening stranger, I think. Uh, and quite frankly, city rude. Yeah that's, a, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, you're right. He then gets a faraway look in his eyes and launches into a very creepy anecdote. <laughs> which uh, is presented in monologue form, I believe an unbroken shot of him just uh, kind of like progressively emoting and uh, gurning. Um, like I said, it's a masterclass. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a masterclass in emoting and gurning. I would be inclined to agree. Um, so yeah, despite his best efforts at um, dissuading them, uh, they look like they're on their way. However incredible character entrance this might be the finest character introductions i've ever seen in a film um they are introduced by wagner's ride of the valkyries blaring from a distance from an open top vehicle (laughs) emerging over the horizon come uh stacy the driver he is toting a megaphone yes um introducing chuck Uh, (laughs) chuck is bedecked uh in a cape yep and a tuxedo Mm-hmm. Stacy appears to be wearing a robe of some sort. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is this is this is seven kinds of crazy. Yeah, these two appear to be almost this kind of Siegfried and Roy double act of magicians. Yeah, that's not a bad way of putting it. Like, I think that that's 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 pretty close for yeah. me. Um, They're yeah. not edgy enough to be Penn and Teller. No, and I can't think of any other magical duos. <laughs> So it has to be Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> the process of elimination, yeah. Um, but I just, I, I kind of just want to hit every beat of what happens with Chuck specifically here. That's fucking amazing. So incredible line of dialogue here that no human would ever say. When uh, Dell sees them approaching, turns to Terry and says, I didn't realise your former boy was here. <laughs> You're my future wife. <laughs> <laughs> exactly this. So like, um, so it's seeded that uh, Chuck and Terry are twelve lovers. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, uh, Chuck then produces uh, flowers from his... From thin air. From thin air. The man's a magician, as we know. And then says, a princess should always have flowers. And when I say he says it, he does not. He does not say it. That line is delivered by a different actor altogether. 100%. Um, and dubbed badly. Oh, dubbed horrendously, <laughs> yeah. Um, but weirdly, this appears to be the only line that Chuck delivers that's badly dubbed. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the rest of it is kind of... The rest of it's badly acted. Yeah, but yeah, this is, this is, this is, it's totally baffling, actually. It's a really, really weird choice. <laughs> but um, yeah, so he then dismounts from the vehicle, kicks a can from someone's hand. I think it may, it's maybe Dell's. Yeah, Dell's puffing his chest here, I think, and swinging his dick in one hand, and in the other hand he has presumably some douchebaggy can of lager. Um, that is kicked from his hands into the air. And then I think he does a keepy up. I think he puts it up again. He kicks it numerous times in the air. Uh-huh. And then does a roundhouse kick. Yep. <laughs> you can see the strength that the can's on as well. Yeah. It's but, glorious. But he roundhouse kicks the can, which then hits Dell square on the forehead. Uh, it's extremely funny. Dell gets his back up. He's about to attack. And there's a massive puff of smoke. And Stacy has appeared in front of Chuck. Yeah, it's 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 genuinely just the absolutely confounding, I think. But it's I mean it's amazing though. Honestly, I think it's one of the best introductions to a character I've ever seen. I think it's just because it's like such an absolute hotbed of nonsense. Oh, I like rapid fire nonsense. There's like it's completely unassimilated. It's great. This is the kind of so our our group to begin with here. Our kind of first band are assembled, and away they go. But it's worth mentioning that this is deli- this whole introduction is delivered completely without context. Like, there's never mention of their friends previously who are magicians. No, they just arrive. We learn that they're magicians through their actions and their attire. Yeah, like this strictly from them turning up and doing magic. <laughs> And being dressed like uh, sorcerers. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I I think that there's some... When they get to the kind of farm or on the road up to the farm, I think that there's some fairly decent 
evidence that Harcourt the Harbinger might have been right. <laughs> Harbinger Harcourt. Yeah, given the, the first things that they see are um, uh, another skeleton on a cross. Yep, clearly bought from a joke shop. Yes, and then a skull in a field, which <laughs> is clearly a... Polystyrene skull. Polystyrene skull, sure, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, we, um, like, you get the kind of origin story of this skull, which I think is amazing because you just get this kind of uh, very out of nowhere, blinking you'll miss it flashback of like, a bemulleted farmhand, like, stopping dead. It's quite a mullet. It and collapsing. Quite it's some mullet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They pick up the skull and uh, Corey immediately identifies it as the skull of his uncle in another just because moment. I think a lot of the exposition is dealt with in a I can just feel it way. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of like, oh, how do you know that? And it's like, shut up is how. Chuck's got changed on the drive, by the way. He's now got a denim jacket on. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's a squeeze in a costume change on the short journey. It's at this point, I think, Mitch, that things ramp up significantly. I would say that's fair because we are at the uh, farm, the farmhouse. <laughs> um, well, what remains of the farmhouse? Yeah. I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> um, so at this point, we have kind of two... Outside of the kind of like when they're just wandering around in fields, mm-hmm. for the vast majority of the remainder of this film, we have two main locations, which are the farmhouse and the barn. Correct, yes. I can tell them apart from the inside. Sure, yeah. But because they both look like rubble from the outside, I found it very difficult to discern which one <laughs> would they were heading for okay. at each individual time. Um, so do I. I also have a very cynical idea of why they appear the way they appear. Oh, go on. I think they had access to interior locations. Right, which they yeah. were able to... Uh, like set decorate any way they liked um, and do what they wanted in them I think for their exteriors rather than attempting to build a house or a barn they thought why don't we just do the facade of one and make it look like it's been blown to smithereens yeah uh, yeah, I can see that and then repurpose it as a barn I mean it's a pretty good good theory (laughs) I'm not going to lie they uh, everyone is kind of reluctant to go inside based on the evidence as presented so far this is absolutely legitimate Based on the fact, I would say that from the outside, it does look like an exploded ruin. Yes. Um, but when you look through what was once the door, mm-hmm. it appears to have a full interior. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting enough on its own, really. Um, so they go inside. They kind of we find a couple of relics of their grandparents. At this point, I think that this just exists to establish in our minds that they are in the right place. This is his kind of like ancestral farm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is obviously Bonnie's first rodeo in terms of a cabin in the woods setups because she immediately recites the incantation that's daubed on the wall, <laughs> um, which results in a range of paranormal phenomena. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bonnie reads it out and uh, basically the house begins to attack them. Yeah. We've got uh, rattling cutlery, flying kitchen knives, an entire chicken is detonated. <laughs> the film's central tragedy. Yeah. An entire whole roast chicken, uh, <laughs> just gone. Um, everyone tries to leave, but their cars won't start. Oh sure, no! Sure. Which leads uh, Stacy and Chuck to grab their uh, firearms. Naturally, that they have brought with them. Yeah, to be fair, you know, like yeah, they came tooled up, despite the fact that they didn't know why they were going on this adventure. Because um, yep. it's explained to them uh, very much in hindsight. Do you think they conjured them? Like, out of their sleeves? Oh, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they're tooling up. I uh, I love what happens next when everyone's kind of right? trying to, like, they kind of get mad and they're like, fuck this. Well, what kind of, it seems like they're going to walk back to town and they get set beset by this, like, mysterious fog, um, <laughs> which is, like, pretty funny, but not half as funny as when the uh, creepy children kind of manifest in front of them. Sure. Anytime anybody manifests in front of anyone in this film, it's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but yeah uh, three girls appear out of nowhere Del thinks it's appropriate to approach them and uh, ask them questions and he is grabbed and launched a significant distance through the air yeah by a girl who I think might be about nine years old yeah but has the powers of uh, Satan yeah within her yeah so so, uh, she does manage a successful douche toss (laughs) I don't think this film should be called Demon Mist (laughs) potentially yeah (laughs) We lose Bonnie here in spectacular fashion. Yeah, she's gone as soon as she arrives. Uh, and as she would want to go, I think. I think it's how she would have wanted to die. It, uh, inexplicably being turned into a doll which lands in the dirt with blood in the corners of its mouth and then says, You lie. And then bursts into flames. And then bursts into flames. Yep, yep. <laughs> she wanted me to do it with the head this way. So death has been played out a few too many times on screen for my liking, but uh, I'll let it slide on this occasion. 
<laughs> I think that potentially one of my favorite awkward dialogue exchanges happens here when Chuck tries to kind of mend fences with Terry when he's like, but I still love you. Brilliant, right in front of her current boyfriend. Yeah, uh, and then she's like, oh, uh, Del needs me, you don't, life's a joke to you and stuff. And then Del just immediately swans up and smacks him in the face. Which, honestly, under the circumstances, I'm not condoning violence, but he's kind of asking for it. Yeah, yeah, but <sighs> you're rooting for Del in that moment, but immediately questioning why you do that. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much, yeah, you stop rooting for Del almost immediately when you realise what you're doing. <laughs> I love the fact that after this, the sensible course of action is to re-enter the farmhouse to clean up the mess from the demon fit from earlier on. Sure, um, where a series of ghostly phenomena begins almost immediately. You've got spectral family members. Yes. Um, you've got drawers which open of their own volition. You've got flying papers. You've got uh, spectral voices. I mean, it's a grab bag of generic scary shit, really. Yeah, yes, it? yes, it is, yeah. This would be a good film to come up with some kind of a horror movie bingo. Definitely, yeah, because yeah. it's all in here. Every everything is in here. Yeah, it's it's an absolute potluck of those kinds of tropes. Spooky book coming up. Yeah, <laughs> there's another one. Yeah, Granny Regina's diary is basically a creepy spell book that's covered in uh, creepy scrawlings. I tell you what, it's definitely not. Go on. It's definitely not the Necronomicon. No. <laughs> Any similarity to the Necronomicon is purely coincidental. Yep. So what if they're both written in red ink? Exactly. Yeah, and they're big, scary-looking, leather-bound books. <laughs> I mean, apart from that, there's no similarity at all. This is where the similarity to Evil Dead ends. Oh, no, right right after this, they open a drawer and there's a magical dagger. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, and this is our kind of first wading into it. We're kind of dipping our toe in the very confusing mythology of uh, the seven daggers that can help you slay the, the son, son of, of Satan. Satan. Yeah, so yeah. it's like mm-hmm. seven, like, horcrux... <laughs> Um, and it's like, yeah, so it's like seven Horcrux daggers, of which they have two. Pretty metal. That's super metal. Well, it's two-sevenths metal. <laughs> it's so wishy-washy as well. Does his granddaughter or his book, the book not say something like, oh, we've got two daggers out of seven, but you never know, they might do something. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, it's like, oh, if you get all seven, you can kill the son of Satan. Here's two, you know, they might be useful. <laughs> Who would know the power they actually contain later on? It's quite remarkable. Oh God, yeah, we'll get to it, but it is, it's it's pretty special. Um, everyone gathers around the fire for some exposition at this point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Corey unveils himself to be uh, Corey Cliffnotes. Yeah, very much so. Tells us a story about a historical troublemaker called Anders. Yes, preacher Anders, who yeah. um, seems—I mean, he's definitely not Henry Kane. Oh, absolutely. I can not. assure you of that. 100%. Again, any similarity to any other character, other characters living or dead is truly coincidental. 100%. While he's telling the story, people keep chiming in with little thoughts and little comments, and they're absolutely amazing. They're like, I hope he burns in hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope he burns for a long time. <laughs> I hope his burning is prolonged. He sounds bad. <laughs> but in the midst of all this, yeah, we do kind of sur- surmise that his family were offed by demons, as were many of the other kind of townsfolk. Yeah. Which is yeah. interesting because um, there is the relics of their farmhouse, but there is no sign of any other dwellings for miles around. A very, it's a large radius before you hit the next farmhouse, for sure. Uh, yes, uh, I would agree with that. So Chuck and Stacy are kind of, they immediately set themselves to the task. They're ready to start kind of like kicking some supernatural ass, air quotes. Um, they also <laughs> very, very foolishly make plans for after the war. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's go to Tahiti. Oh, no, let's not go there. Let's go to Nevada. Okay, we'll go to Las Vegas. Um, yeah, this is. They'd be right at home in Las Vegas. They'd make a killing. Yeah, they would. They would. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, in the face of uh, in the face of impending demon uh, onslaughts, I would say that uh, it's 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 pretty risky to talk about what you're going to do when this is all over and done with. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, well, at this point, they're also set upon by um, a seductive boob demon. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah. The titty witch uh, approacheth fully clothed except for her breasts. Yes, which is uh, kind of on the nose. <laughs> If you ask me, <laughs> she is wearing long flowing a long flowing gown. Her breasts are clearly visible. Yes, that is true. And uh, yeah, she basically tries to seduce them from afar. And you're not going to fool Chuck and Stacy that easily, Mitch. You're no. just not. And um, they see her right away for what she is, demon. Yeah, as they as they both say in synchronicity. Mm-hmm. But they go out anyway. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I thought this was really strange. Yeah, they're like, oh, that's obviously a demon. Uh, so they, yeah, they go outside anyway, uh, ready to take it on. She then contorts into a more obviously demony demon. What is it that gives you that impression? It's it's probably all the talons and, uh, <laughs> and the weird demonic face and fangs. To be honest, uh, they they were the first things that gave it away. At this point, they are swarmed upon by what I'm just going to call deadites. <laughs> Excuse me, you're putting this very very closely to Evil Dead. No, they're set upon by deadlings. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Demonites. Okay, let's go with demonites. I like that. I like that. Uh, but yeah, loads of them. Uh, they're dressed in various kind of old timey and agricultural garb. Yes, it's true. Um, and uh, some carry sticks, some carry pitchforks. Uh, others are barehanded. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 uh, yeah. Um, it's, it seems like everyone just like right before they came out for this battle, everyone was just summoned from their demony homes and grabbed whatever they could put their hands sure, on. Sure, sure. Uh, completely non plussed by this ton of events and equal to the task I would say Chuck and Stacy go back to back rooted to the spot hilariously they do not attempt to flee they take up defensive positions back to back and unleash a barrage of bullets into many many demons yeah um so Stacy dies in the struggle here and I can't figure out how mm, I don't have an answer for that because it doesn't seem like any of them get anywhere near him no um but he does still have this massive gaping neck wound which um he succumbs to chuck has no time to uh mourn the loss of his friend he uses a uh, chekhov's roundhouse kick from the first act sure. to uh decapitate a few demons yeah, or he... dead or uh Demonites. Demonites, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he uses his uh, remarkable martial arts skills to battle his way back to the cabin, shall we? No, we better not say cabin. Let's call it a house. Yeah, sure, dwelling. Yeah, lest, again, we venture into... Evil Dead, okay. <laughs> he goes to the dwelling in the forest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, he gets most of the way home, but he's ultimately offed by a wisecracking demonite. Yeah, he, did, he does that thing, the, the premature celebration. Yeah, yeah. you hate to see it. So cocky. Yeah. I hate it when uh Chuck dies me too yeah it sucks and this is but i mean this is um this is a criticism you can level at all sorts of things it's not unique to demon wind but um so much of the time i think that demon characters are enemies their credibility is totally undercut by the way that they talk and i don't necessarily and i I mean that partially in terms of how their actual speech sounds but also Mm -hmm. what they actually say Let's see when like something scary looking comes up behind somebody and goes surprise and eats them or like or bites them or whatever or like um you know when it's it's it goes right back to the your mother sucks cocks in hell thing. I just think it's always <laughs> something that just feels a bit daft. I will say this of Demon Wind. Go on. The demon stuff is hampered by the fact that you cannot make out a single line of dialogue that comes out any demon's mouth at any point in the film yeah i mean the subtitles for this are uh, on amazon prime are bad anyway as we discussed but i think that when uh, when the demonites start talking it's I, I kind of feel their pain in terms of trying to make sense of it yeah also they all, almost to a man have ill-fitting teeth yeah uh-huh yeah yeah like i it's, it's not just that their teeth are crooked looking like they're supposed to like the fake teeth they have are too large for their mouths <laughs> yeah. yeah that looks really yeah. silly and sometimes their mouths aren't moving despite the fact that they're delivering dialogue yeah yeah it's yeah. it's it's yeah i think yeah. that like, it's one of those things i think that the longer you dwell on them the worse it but hey they're demons what do we know <laughs> it's too are we a judge yeah um <laughs> this kind of set like despite the fact that the, the demons kind of turn up in the night yeah, and uh, they have this kind of standoff, and then they just disappear for a bit. Yeah, um, at the coming of the dawn. Um, yes, they're gone for a bit, and um, Terry and Dell have an amorous aside, or at least we think they do, until uh, Terry uh, briefly assumes the form of a half-eaten Chuck, much to Dell's horror. Very it funny. was it was a nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, really funny reveal. Probably not played for laughs, but very funny. <laughs> um, unexpected new character introductions at this point. Um, Bizarre. It's like ah. Oh. We really need more people to die in this. Let's introduce two random characters who have somehow found their way to this impossible-to-locate farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Yep, no mention of the fact that they were ever going to be coming, anything like that. Nobody's like, oh, when when are Rena and Willie going to get here? But no, we have the uh, berry-clad Rena yep. and uh, Spandau Ballet cast off Willie. <laughs> who has an extremely funny dangling silver skeleton earring. 
Oh, it's tremendous. And I really his 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 uh, white blazer with black trim is also sure. excellent. I think he only has that earring so that later on we can identify that it's him from a badly constructed decapitated head. Wow, that is actually a great point. Yeah, because because <laughs> I because I, I did I did specifically say whose head is that when that happened, and I, I said it's Willie. Look at the earring. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like at that point I was like oh yeah I guess. Uh, Dell and Teddy go to get help. At this point. Um, fair play to them. Why didn't everyone just do that? I love this bit because the minute they're away, uh, I think it's Elaine turns to Corey and says, I don't think they'll make it. And he's like, no, me neither. Yeah. Like, Why did you let them go then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it was Dell. I mean, I maybe would as well from that situation. Yeah. Um, there is something... <laughs> I love this. Because, like, again, we know, a, we know a bit about where this is going, but not enough. I think this is hilarious because obviously like before we get into the kind of big battles that are coming and fucking hell they are big and long uh, we know a bit about what's going on but not enough (laughs) so the remaining characters just gather for some incredibly rapid fire dot connecting where they decide that the barn is the eye of the demonic storm. Well, Corey for a long time calls out to his grandmother for help and his calls pretty much go unanswered. Yeah, that's like yeah, we, we spend it feels like we spend quite a lot of time. There's quite a lot of like screen inches devoted to Corey just wandering around shouting for uh, some help from his granny. <laughs> grandmother <laughs> Grandmother! Grandmother! <laughs> um, yeah, help is not forthcoming. No, 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 no. Uh, however, cheerful aside, when they're out looking for help, Del finally dies. Uh, at the hands of a demonic Terry. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know how Terry turns. Uh, I mean, uh, it could be as simple as inhaling the mist, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I feel, I feel like it's Charlie's display here at this point. <laughs> You could say the same thing about uh, another film that this film could be slightly compared to. Oh, really? Um, sometimes people turn in that and it's never really explained. I, I don't know which one you mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they're gone, but for the rest of us, it's onwards to the barn. Some good stuff happens in this barn, I've got to be honest. Um, yes, the devil altar that they find inside the barn is spectacular. It's obviously a human skeleton with a kind of plaster goat skull stuck on top of it. Yeah, which you can clearly see has been wired to the wall. Yes, for to serve a very noble purpose. I, I, I really like this, but I think it's fucking great. Uh, yes, I am a fan of it also. Uh, they approach it again like nobody ever is like oh that's creepy we should stay well away from it it's like that's creepy we should definitely take a considerably closer look at it I don't know if it would have mattered in this situation uh, how far away you were that's true because the tongue that spreads out of his mouth is really fucking long (laughs) yes Rena, like an arsehole, uh, walks up to it, and uh, the tongue shoots out of the mouth, wraps itself around her neck, drags her towards it, presumably has her skull crushed in the maw of this cow's skull. Yeah, seems that way. Rena, we hardly knew you. <laughs> Genuinely been around for about five minutes. Yeah, and no one else really rushes to her help in any significant way, because it's quite a protracted death. Yeah, it does take a while. In fact, uh, like Rena's death is probably about as long as all of the screen time that she's had up to this point. Yeah, yeah she gets a fair, but a fair amount of demon screen time. That's true. Beyond this. That's true. Um, because, yeah, she does like appear, as you say, holding the head of Willie, <laughs> who has died off screen. Like, moments later. Yeah. Like, mere seconds later. Seconds later. Um, and also, they're set upon by the demon Chuck and Stacy. A little pang of sadness seeing the demon Chuck and Stacy, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I really want to say, these demon wigs are straight up terrible. Uh, yes, they are They are not great. Almost across the board. You can look at the two demons of Chuck and Stacy, and you know that way, like, when you're out in public and you see someone wearing a wig, and you just can't stop looking? Yeah. And they know it's a wig, and they know it looks like a wig. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about these demons. They know Fair their play. hair looks like a wig. Yeah, that's, that's, that's reasonable. We are kind of getting to the point in this where this starts to kind of uh, very rapidly run out of steam for me. I've got to admit to the same thing. Um, I think it's an absolute roller coaster of nonsense up until round about this I point. think when they get back into the house, or the uh, yeah, the farmhouse, should I say, and uh, Rena appears holding uh, Willie's head, mm-hmm. I think that that's the last thing for quite a while that I really get anything out of. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I think the turning point for me comes a little bit after this. Right, okay. Well, I mean, so what we have here is that they go back to hide in the house, um, which the uh, demonites can't get into for about five minutes. 
there is residual power, I believe, left over from the grandmother. Yeah, but it was, but it's like it's it's kind of it kind of feels like you know when your phone hasn't taken a charge during the night, right? And you're like, oh yeah, there's like some here, but it's at like four percent. Yeah, and then it, it runs out pretty sharp. Yeah, and it starts serving a practical purpose for a bit, and then um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, for reasons best known to itself, the magic, which has presumably been guarding the farm for uh, decades, just peters out precisely at that moment, worst possible time. Yeah, the, I would say the timeline of events across the whole film is pretty elastic. It says something That's an about the question. Grand- That's an interesting question, actually, like because obviously, like the 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 bygone era is 1931, the present day is 1989, but in terms of the window of time in which the events of the film unfold. Yeah. It's pretty difficult to tell. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's one night, but then there's a day in there as well. <laughs> and there's a bit of an afternoon, and then there's the golden hour, like, comes yeah. later than that. And, uh, that's quite confusing. I mean, like, if you told me that it was like a day and a half, I'd be like, yeah, okay. But also, if you were like, it was 13 days. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, also, maybe. But there is a lot of them sitting about not looking too bothered, really. Um, so that must be the downtime. Actually, yeah. Like, I mean, given the severity of the situation, you mean the life-threatening demonic peril? Precisely that. that. Yeah, um, I think that um, everyone is um, extremely blasé about everything that's going on when they're not directly confronted with demonites. I feel like everyone is just treating this like you would a kind of like slightly frosty getaway with some of your friends. Yeah, that's kind of it's treated more with it like the inconvenience of being snowed in. That's a great way of putting it. Exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, um, yeah, they know that they can't go anywhere, but it's more of an inconvenience than anything. Yeah, it's like every time they look out the window, it's almost as if they're saying, still snow out there. Right. Rather than, there's a fuckload of demons out there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I zoned out for a stretch here, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, because there is a lot of very lethargic demonite climbing in windows and a lot of slow-mo shotgun fire. Well, I can bring you up to speed with some things that you might have missed. Right, okay. So there's a couple of hilarious moments. Uh, Jack decides he's going to go off and investigate the rest of the house. Uh, Yes, okay. He Mm -hmm. leaves the room. Corey says to him, Jack, watch yourself. To which Jack replies, good luck to you too. Tremendous, yes. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Jack is then bitten by a demon. Yes, that's correct. Demons begin swarming. Shotguns are shot. Corey is now morphing into a character resembling one previously played by Bruce Campbell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's just a lot of slow demons climbing in windows. Uh, yes, there's an awful lot of slow demons climbing in windows. I feel like I was watching that for a long time. I feel like I was watching that for about 40 minutes. <laughs> Another thing I think this film does is that it plays the emotional heft of a character being confronted by their lover in demon form. It plays that card three or four times. (laughs) It plays that card more often than there are couples in this film. And there's a lot of couples in this film. I'm even going to throw down that uh, perhaps Chuck and Stacey are virgin on couples territory. Oh yeah, I would say that that's that's possible. You could cut the sexual tension with a knife when they rolled up in that car. Wait till you read my erotic Demon Wind fan fiction. I was going to say, just get straight onto r slash Demon Wind. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely amazing sequence here. Where, as you say, uh, Jack is bitten by a demon. So yeah. he turns. Um... He strokes Elaine's breasts for a protracted period of time uh, before getting a mystical dagger in his eyes for his trouble. Yeah, um, Elaine daggers him. Yeah. Uh, right in the retina. And Not daggers as in the extremely aggressively sexual dancing. Oh, no. No, no, no. No, no a different beast entirely. Like yeah. an actual an actual dagger on the eye. So, this is later described by Elaine. What happens to Jack here is later described by Elaine as seeing his soul. That is not the way it plays out. I Well, <laughs> I, I, if, if that's his soul... Then I've fundamentally misunderstood that on a conceptual level for quite a long time. Because <laughs> basically what happens when Jack gets daggered in the face is that he seems to have this kind of reverse evolution. Or reverse kind of like, he kind of he kind of Benjamin Buttons. Yeah. Because yeah. um, he goes from Jack to kind of, if I'm not mistaken, like adolescent, child with sideburns, <laughs> <laughs> baby, dove? Yeah, like we, like you said, uh, it's reverse evolution. It's reverse Back it. to a time before we evolved from doves. Naturally. <laughs> Presumably. Of course. Um, Darwin got it wrong. Yep, yep, yep. You know what? Can be right all the time. Descended from doves. Yeah. Which are really just fancy pigeons. Let's That's, be honest. Yeah, fancy pigeons. <laughs> Poser pigeon. Yeah. In the midst of a lot of creepy demonite creeping... The arrival of their apparent leader happens, and this is pretty special. Yeah, it's one of those moments that's like, 
uh, loads of demons approaching, loads of demons approaching, they're about to die. It looks a little bit like the closing scenes of Thriller. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then suddenly, through the darkness, through the ether, wafts a voice. Who's this? Hark! Yeah. Is it Father Anders? Well, that would be what you might think. Well, yeah, I mean, like that's that's kind of what I, I assumed was about to happen. But it's not. It's Harcourt the Harbinger. Harcourt the Harbinger, who's delighted that um he has this kind of uh this bank of humans in the uh farm in the farmhouse <laughs> to be tormented, which uh kind of makes me think that um advising so hard that they turn their car around at the start was kind of a strange tactical choice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worked out fine for him. Also, uh, the demons are moments away from killing our last humans, our last surviving human protagonists. Uh-huh. But yeah, he summons them towards him. Uh-huh. No. Now. Yes. No, yeah. Right. Okay. Now, this stuff happens. Yeah. Now, so far, I like I say, I have a little, like, I have odd issues with where this film has gotten to up to this point. It's yeah. paced a little haphazardly. Oh, um, is it indeed? Yes, I think, I think that that, I think that the second act that's made up entirely of creeping demonites is a little bit baggy. Um, <laughs> it has problems, but it's linear and you can follow it um, okay, you know, you along know, yes. a kind of okay. a, a tenuous line of reasoning. Mm-hmm. It is at this point that this disintegrates almost entirely and instantly. It's spectacular. I don't think it's instantly. Uh, I think what happens here when he summons the demons towards them, assimilates them into his body via terrible visual effects. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And becomes a member of Guar. Yes, also true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the, the, I just, love this guy. I love this bit. This guy's amazing. He manifests back with just holding Bonnie, who's been dead in doll form for ages. Yeah, they bring her back just to kill her again. <laughs> Absolutely, instantly. Yeah, he just I mean, he just, he just drains her of life and just throws her aside. I love this guy. He cracks me up. He's got hooves. He's a demon through and through. His dialogue is absolutely... Uh, unintelligible? In- yeah, un- <laughs> unintelligible, indecipherable. The subtitles do little to help because at some points they just write mumbles. Like... <laughs> there's, also a, there's also a line, and I didn't catch what the actual line of dialogue was. But um, I'm certain that it isn't what's in the subtitles. Right. Because he's approaching Corey, and he's and the subtitles say that he says, I will teach you to read before you die. Cool, I've got plenty of time. I mean, adult illiteracy is an epidemic. It is, yeah, it is. But also, you could use that, you could go, nah, still not getting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah still not getting it. And then you just have a weird sitcom-esque life where you live... With a demon, in this cabin with a demon who gets more and more frustrated at your inability to read. Yeah, that's the that, that's the spin-off that I want to see. For God's sake, it's the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. <laughs> I love the fact that they try the demonology from the book, and the first thing that happens is that it turns Corey into like a conehead. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they decide to use the definitely not Necronomicon yes. to banish this evil, I don't know... Entity? Entity, yeah, yeah, entity's fine. But yeah, he becomes a weird alien. Uh, yeah. Um, or something. I have no idea what's happening at this point. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm, kind of... Yeah, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by this. But I still like... I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I think like... Well, actually, you know what? No. I remember on first watch that um, I was, it was kind of starting to lose me. And then when they, when they chanted the incantation from the book or whatever it was that they do, I was like, oh, cool. I guess that this is going to like defeat the monster and mm-hmm. that'll be that. So when he turned into a conehead, I was like, you know what? Fair play. I had expectations and you subverted them. <laughs> I also love that immediately you're like, oh my God, he's imbued with some weird power. But his first course of action when he's turned into a conehead is to kick the demon guy right in the balls. <laughs> Oh my god, that's incredible, that's so true. That's yeah. a, that would be what you would try right away. You go, okay, uh, first out the book, boom! Yep, yep, <laughs> so if that shot, it's such a good shot because you're so prepped for him to do something spectacular. <laughs> and he's like, Hah. And then what happens is Alien Cory gets thrown around a lot. Uh, yes, yeah, um, Alien, Alien Cory has very few benefits over regular Cory. That's true. He like just almost looks, none. He just looks a little bit uglier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he like he, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like a shaved and partially inflated version of uh, regular. Corey. Do you remember Alien Nation? No, it was a TV show from I think it was the late eighties, early nineties, um, about aliens that basically come to Earth and they assimilated themselves in everyday life, and it was the story of I believe he was a police officer, okay, an alien police officer. He had a baldy nut, no ears, um, and kind of like what looked like Mikhail Gorbachev style uh, markings on his head. Right, okay, mm-hmm, right, um, with you. 
and he like had a, a human police partner. Right, right. And they would like go around and do stuff. Okay. There was a series and there was a bunch of kind of TV movies made of it. Right, okay. He's got an alien nation-esque quality to I him. I see. Okay, okay. I'll have to trust you in that, but okay. Hang that on. makes sense. Hang on. There you go. Take a look at that there. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Definitely. See that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you get that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I take your point. Put, put, put a picture up with the uh, I will, yeah, yeah. The episodes I'll, put, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, yeah. I'll put a, a picture from Alien Nation up. So he's attacked, uh, Corey, here um, pretty savagely, and then he wakes up and everything appears normal for a bit. Yeah, for a, br- a brief spell. I did have this moment where I thought, oh, is this all a dream? And it very much is not. Um, the uh, appearance of everything being normal is a demonic lampoon. <laughs> Um, everybody very quickly kind of uh, reverts to their uh, most recent form. Savage, decapitated, stabbed in the eye, yep. demony, whatever it is, they all they go back to that. Elaine also goes very demony as well, then dies as Cody Conehead looks on. <laughs> um, then we get this, again, just like instant and like very disorientating flashback to his dad's suicide. Yeah. Which is watched by regular Cody. <laughs> Like, he's back to normal now, which is it's fine. Um, then he comes back to the room and identifies to no one in particular that the demon's fear is living humans. Yeah, he flies, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of in the style of, like, Raiden from Mortal Kombat. You know, like, sure. yeah, yeah, like yeah, horizontally. Yeah, horizontally. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, do a kind of, like, to do a kind of, like, barging motion. And then Elaine's alive again because nothing matters. <laughs> Yeah, you can just imagine at this point someone's just going like this. <laughs> just like throwing a big pile of pages up there and just like fuck it all to hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she recites the death blow spell, which yeah, uh, defeats yeah. the demon and blows the house up again. Sure, uh, and footage which uh, is clearly recycled from the beginning of the film. And who can blame them? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, it kind of, it seems like everything's kind of resolved. Elaine kind of morphs into the avatar of the audience here as she pleads, is it really over? (laughs) Not quite. Uh, Yeah, no, not quite. Um, There's a kind of stinger ending here that is incredibly bland. (laughs) Excuse me. They seem to be uh, travelling demon hunters now. Yeah, so specifically, um, Elaine and Corey seem to now be uh, travelling demon hunters and their first port of call is Harcourt's Diner. Yeah. To Necronomazap, the demon waitress. Because yeah. the waitress is a demon now. Sure. And they take off. They, uh, in their haste to get away, do not Necronomazap the creepy child from the beginning, who is now a full-blown demon, turns around and hisses at the camera, and scene. Demon wind is over. Demon wind is over, for better or worse. <laughs> um, This is such a weird film. Yeah. Like, such a curiosity. I feel like... Demon Wind irritates you because you like a lot about it, but then there's just so much about it that you think where it just kind of loses its way and kind of doddles its way over the finish line. Maddening. Yeah. And meandering, I think, are the things for how, like, how, where it eventually goes. Because I agree, I think that you're getting my like assessment of it pretty right. Especially in the first half, I think that there's loads going for it. Loads of really weird shit happens, the character introductions are insane, the characters <laughs> themselves are mental, the dialogue's nonsense. There's a lot of stuff that is very much standard 80s demon movie bullshit that I eat up. <laughs> and I do with aplomb for like about maybe the first 50 minutes. Right, okay. Film. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, like, yeah, I think that the way it's paced in the second half bothers me more than it bothers you. I think that I... I'm th- like, going to say I'm not immune to it. No, no, but uh, I think that it's less of a button for you. Yeah, would be it, my it does assessment. get a little bit of a drag once um, once your man from Gwar <laughs> turns up near the end. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the kind of preamble to that is a little bit of a fight for me as well um, when it's just them besieged by them and shooting them for ages like um that 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 kind of uh that kind of ran me into the ground a little bit i'm the first to admit that but um i don't know the ending it throws enough at the wall that just about enough of it sticks right like i'm like i could not ask for a better for for you to come down better on this than you just have yeah i mean like there's that uh, i think i've maybe quoted it before but there's that amazing scroobius pip line where it's like um throw enough shit at the wall and some of it'll stick but make no mistake your wall's still covered in shit (laughs) right which is kind of how i feel about the third act of this film where there's like this you kind of come out on a satisfying thread, but you're also just looking at the mountains of unassimilated shite you've had to wade through to get there. What I will say about the third act, mm-hmm. right? The big demon guy, absolutely fine, no problem with him. Mm-hmm. What I do have a problem with, and I still don't understand, because 
ultimately it brings nothing more to the table than bog standard Corey does. Yep. Is this transformation into the weird guy from Alien Nation? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, it's 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 pretty useless. I would a, much rather have seen just normal Corey fight the big demon guy. Yeah, because that's ultimately how it shakes out anyway. That being said, though, the conehead reveal is pretty amazing. <laughs> kind of is. It's just another layer of what? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just a daft thing thrown atop a pile of daft things. Sure. Yes. Like, yeah, um, yeah. but uh, but I do. Yeah, it's, it's I've, yeah. I've got a lot. There's a lot, a lot of goodwill in that moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it's an interesting one. It was a good pick. Because it's fucking mental, and yeah, I can't wait. There's plenty to, to talk about. I can't but... wait to hear what the listeners make of this. There's already been some comments trickling in since yeah. we announced it. Yeah, um, I am very, very interested to hear what our feedback section is like on Monday. Um, <laughs> if anybody takes the time to watch this and um, get in touch with us, see what yeah. they think, because it's such a weird, anomalous little film. Which would like... you suggest people watch it? Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Absolutely. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's like, I mean. F- We've we've talked about it and we joked about it, but like the the Evil Dead aping here is just shameless. It's through the roof. But yeah. I mean, like also, I think that it 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 does kind of like revel in its own eccentricities a bit as yeah, well. I mean, and like and and it's it's not a carbon copy of those things. It does enough weird stuff to not stand alone from it, but set itself apart from it a little bit. Yeah, go and watch Demon Wind. Yeah. Fuck it, why not? Go and watch Demon Wind. Assemble, like I say, assemble your friends. Couple of pizzas, couple of beers, get it watched. You won't regret, I don't think. If it's good enough for Joe Bob Briggs, it's good enough for you. You know what? Yeah, that's actually a great way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't um, agree more. I mean, I, I, like I say, I'm not going to sit here and argue the merits massively of Demon Wind, right? Well, there are some. It's not a great film. No, no, no. And it runs out of steam way before the final credits roll, I think. But it's a lot of fun getting there. Yeah, a, a large portion of the journey yeah. is fun. And even when it is running out of steam, there's enough madness on the screen for you to look at that's going to keep your attention. Yeah, you don't have to understand it all the time. No, no, or particularly like it, but you're not going to stop looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's, there's, not, there's not often where you won't be entertained, one way or another. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, um, since the first time I've watched it, it's kind of leaped shamelessly into my favourite bad movies. Like regular list. rotation? I wouldn't say regular rotation. <laughs> the things that are in my breakfast, regu- lunch, and dinner. Yeah, the things that are in my regular rotation are Jaws and The Wicker Man. Aye, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Animator, like <laughs> the okay. one's never okay. going to okay. find itself yeah. in that company. Yes, yes. And nor is it ever if I'm steaming with my pals, yourself included. Mm-hmm. Nor is it ever really going to unseat Birdemic or the room. No, as no. the first port of call for th- this kind of thing. Yeah. But it would be up there now. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, like that's. I mean, like that's what we're here for. These are the films we're here to talk about, and yeah. that's why I think it was a good selection for this. But with that, I guess all there is really to do is open the floor up to the listeners, because this is an underseen film and it's an underdiscussed film. So hopefully, um, a few people will have checked it out by now. And um, I do really want to hear what everyone's experience was like yeah. watching this. But you know, I think it's I think it's pretty cool that it was a film that was featured on the last drive-in. Yeah, because I think the fact that it was featured on the last drive-in and the fact that it's now available on a high-flying Blu-ray release from Vinegar Syndrome and is available on Amazon Prime and I think on Shudder, I think Demon Wind will find an audience who either didn't know about it or had forgotten about it. Yeah, and I think that's cool, and I think it's kind of deserved because I think it more than holds its own uh, and among some other films that I think are held in higher regard that aren't as entertaining. I think that there are masses of people out there who won't have seen this who will love it. Oh, I. <laughs> like, um, and I, I think that also there are masses of people out there who won't have seen this who enjoy it way more than me. <laughs> like, and that's yeah. that's not a shot at. It's just no. that, like, like this kind of thing beyond beyond the classics, and we've talked about them. I think that like with this kind of thing, my threshold for it is relatively low, mm-hmm. to the point that I think it's actually to its credit that this film holds my attention for as long as it does. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I think that like in the mire of films like this, it's not the best. It's definitely not the worst, but it is one of the strangest. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that is reason enough, I think, to go and take a look at it. High praise indeed, Mitch. 
it's as high as it's gonna get <laughs> but i guess that just about does it but like i say we want to hear from you about this one and everything else and you can do that through all the usual channels facebook and instagram at strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc and you can email longer considerations and who knows we'll maybe get some on this one strong language violent scenes at gmail.com yeah and if you do decide to email us just stick demon wind in the subject line so we'll know exactly right away what we're looking for yes that'd be nice I've just emailed us, you know. Not expecting really any any response to that whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in amongst all this, we will of course also be back on Monday with Minisode 57. Yeah, we will. Um, we'll have loads of stuff going on there for sure. Um, we'll be talking about what we've been watching. Some interesting stuff in there. Also, hopefully, because I'm I'm moving next week. Also, <laughs> so we, yeah, just for anyone listening, we are both moving within the next fortnight. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> but um, but I am also off work for that entire week. So I am hoping that I'll get a couple of shockwaves in. You'll get them all watched. <laughs> I made a joke about that last week, didn't I? No, um, uh, I can't see that happening, but I will try and get a couple in, um, try and get a couple of other things watched. So we've got plenty to talk about next week. First thing we're going to watch in my new house is Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Great way to christen that one. I love it. Um, yeah, so Shockwaves 100, what we've been watching, of course, another round of Mitch's Pitches, which is fast becoming more about you guys than me. And that's that's lovely. Though. It's that's, amazing. That's brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah. It's my favourite thing. And we will, of course, be letting you know everything that you need to know for episode 58 as well. And we can tell you that that is going to be a fun one. So that's Monday, Minisode 57, and you can check out Minisode 57 on Spotify, iTunes, or our home at Podbean. And whatever you're listening, if you do fancy supporting us, obviously you're supporting us more than enough by continuing to listen to this drivel. <laughs> but um, if you want to do a little bit more, then generally these places have ways of showing your appreciation, whether it be subscribing, liking, sharing, uh, leaving ratings and reviews and all that kind of stuff. We have been reliably informed that this makes a big difference. Um, um, But it's always nice to see, and loads of you have been doing that, and we do really appreciate it. It's always nice to know that you guys are out there and you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like we always say, thank you. Massive, massive thanks to everyone that's listening because we love you. We love hearing from you, and we love the fact that we can feature in any small way in everyone's week. Yeah, exactly. So we'll be back Monday. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of demonites. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.